0: Grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Hey, 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 welcome. (laughs) It's been a crazy afternoon already. I lost my internet twice and all my backup networks that I have aren't showing up. It's just going to be one of those days, I guess. Just an FYI, let you guys know that the internet's not being very cooperative today. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming. My name is Charlotte. I'll be your host for the next hour or so. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento. We are 35 strong up and down the state of California, Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. And uh, we're here to help. That's what we do. Uh, you know, we do ghost investigations, and uh, we're a nonprofit. We don't charge. We just we're here to help people. You know, if they think they might have something in their home, or you know, just to teach and inform people about the paranormal. Anyway, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. We have, hopefully our guest is here. She confirmed this afternoon, and I'm just waiting on. Hang on a second. On word from her. Uh, let's see. Couple announcements. The box up. Uh We are we have two spots left open. Uh, we have two spots left open for the ghost tour, and you can visit our website at californianhauntsradio.com and sign up. Uh, I, I knew I knew the spots were going to go fast, and they have. So uh, the ten spots we've got two left open. So if you're still interested in attending that ghost hunt, please, please, please sign up because that those spots. I'm not expecting those spots to last the week, the rest of the week. Okay. Um, you can also visit my paranormal team at CaliforniaHaunts.org. Uh, that's where our main website is. There's no updates on there right now because I'm in the process of switching to a new web carrier, which is going to go from Yahoo to Weebly, like the uh, radio site. So I'm in the process of doing that switch and, uh, hang on a second. Let's let's, just chit chat with me. You will be getting a confirmation. It's all good. I know you're there. I'll be getting confirmations out this week. Anyway, um, again, my internet's really funky today, so I'm just letting you know, and hopefully Carrie can get on. If not, you get to hear me chat some more about about ghosties and other things. You never know what's going to happen here. You know, it's been one of the like I said, it's been one of those days my, my internet is not the happiest thing in the world at this point, and uh, yeah, so we're just going to go with it today. But anyway, there's only two spots left for that ghost hunt, so if you guys are interested in going. Uh, come on over to CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com and sign up there. Uh, you go to the top and go all the way over to, I think it says uh, uh, Extras at the top up there, and click on that. It will take you right into special events. But anyway, welcome. And tonight, hopefully, if Carrie Lynn Cassidy comes in, we're going to be talking about a secret space program that the United States has, has, has allegedly been running. Ha-ha. And, uh, yeah. And uh, I've been looking forward to talking to somebody about the secret space program for a long time. Hi. Um, Hi. How you doing?
1: I'm good. How are you?
0: Good. You know, I've been wondering about this whole secret space project thing because I've heard stories about it. Okay. How did you get involved with all this and get, you know, and start researching all this stuff?
1: Oh, well, uh, you know, that's the beginning of Camelot, really. I, um, I had been researching it on my own and writing screenplays, uh, that I wanted to make into sci-fi movies. Mm -hmm. And so for those screenplays, I was doing research. I started out doing research for the screenplays, but eventually I picked up a consumer grade camcorder, decided to make my own UFO documentary. And that's how I got started. And, um, Robert Solis is one of my first people that I interviewed, um, as well as, um, let's see. Um, wow, I'm blanking. Oh, Bill Hamilton and, uh, Bill Ryan, who ended up to be my, uh, partner in Camelot for the first three years. And I've been doing this now for 17 years. Uh, my dog is getting kind of crazy in the background. I might have to run in and do something to quiet that's her down fine. If, if she no,
0: that's fine.
1: makes too much trouble. But, um, so I've got dogs too.
0: <laughs> I, know, I know what it's like.
1: So, uh, what I'm saying is that I basically, uh, started, you know, I picked up the consumer grade camcorder. I went to UFO conferences and I started going around because I had a background in journalism. I, I studied journalism in college I wrote articles uh, and and sort of quasi, you know, for those articles, I did interviews. You know, I wasn't conscious of doing anything like this, but then I worked in Hollywood for 19 years, trying to get off the ground uh, various projects and found that I reached a glass ceiling and couldn't really get anywhere without joining sort of the old boys network and I don't know what it was about me or, you know, maybe I was just too radical or too whatever. That was a really hard road to go down. So at any rate, I, uh, you know, fast forward to basically partnered up with Bill after I I shot several, a, a few interviews. Bill was one of them. Sky, stop this. No, no. She's running up and down the house. She wants to be on, man, you know? I don't, yeah, maybe she, she wants, to, <laughs> she like, she senses that there's something fun going on and she wants to be part of it. Absolutely. I've got two in the hallway. And <laughs> there's two outside my door, scratching at the
0: door, trying to get in here.
1: <laughs> it's insane. I mean, she's normally really quiet. Now she's laying down. So maybe that, that was it. So sorry about that. Um, No problem. So I, uh just to get back to the point, I, I just, um, I I started doing interviews uh, and uh, Bill Ryan was one of them, as I say, and I was making this UFO documentary. That was the point. And then we decided to team up our efforts. He had just been representing what's called the Serpo Project or Serpo.org, I think it is. And that was a a human alien exchange program a la Richard Dreyfus going on the craft at the end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Wow. So, so that's, you know, and whether or not it's actually happened, it's supposed to have happened for sure. But it, um, in fact, we had several of those, uh, apparently, if you go by the information. And it was a, a defense intelligence agency sort of in under their wing uh and uh and and there was a, a long saga going along with that you can read it on the i think serbo.org is still out there so i think you can read it there but that was the beginning of of camelot as uh we both decided that we wanted to get the truth out and both of us uh i don't know just landed on this idea of um of interviewing whistleblowers from above top secret, like specializing in that mm-hmm. I had been researching that area and he, um, Bill had been reading Stephen uh, Stephen Greer's book at the time that was out. Um, I hadn't actually read that book, but we both decided we wanted to do that. We wanted to just go for broke, get the truth out and create a website and, um, and, and in I don't know how we thought we were going to reach whistleblowers, but just put, you know, things out there. And and actually it worked out really well. We had incredible success. uh, And we, I had a small inheritance from my mother. We traveled the world interviewing whistleblowers, mostly from above top secret. And that's what you get in the early days of Camelot. And it's a good thing we did it then, because since then there's been a real crackdown on whistleblowers. So there's very few real whistleblowers out there nowadays and uh, Snowden and um, and Assange were basically whistleblowers that they, you know, put the lid on and, and that was sent a message out to the whole world, really. But, you know, definitely to the U.S. Um, stopping whistleblowers from coming forward thinking they weren't going to get, um, I guess, you know, blamed or, or whatever you want to call it.
0: Right, right. When you talk about the secret space program, like you say, there's been this exchange thing that's been going on. Who set the deal? Who set, I mean, the government set it up. Did the, did the presidents know about all this stuff going on and everything? Uh,
1: well, I mean, you have to figure out which presidents uh, were read in. And by and large, many several of the presidents apparently weren't let, read in all the way. They might have known a little bit. Um, Nixon knew. And in fact, that's the, the famous story where he goes, actually, he, he knocks on Jackie Gleason's door in Florida late one night, knowing Jackie was a huge fan of UFO stories and all of that and collected the memorabilia. And he actually took him to an underground base and showed him some alien bodies. And supposedly, uh, Jackie Gleason was never the same after that. So, uh, so, Nixon definitely knew. Um, I think Carter didn't know much. Um, the way they look at the presidency is they only last four years, so they don't really have to re- read them in uh, per se. Right. Um, Kennedy knew, uh, obviously. Uh, that's part of the reason he got killed, according to my witness, Captain Mark Richards. And uh, who else? Um, you know, um, I think the Clintons know um and have known, you know, uh Hillary, very dark side, you know, because the secret space program is like was run and has been run by the Illuminati, by the secret black magicians and the whole paperclip Nazis. And so it has a dark underbelly that that is really it's based on, Um, hmm. although there are white hats and that's where you get you know, what we've got now on the, even on surface is a group of white hats that came forward during and after the Kennedy assassination, realizing that our government, we had a coup going on that, that everything was being taken over by these people. And uh, basically, you know, getting together, creating their own secret uh, organization, which has continued to this day and involves Q and, and, and where Trump and, Basically, John F. Kennedy Jr. were kind of teamed up and and joined. And you can easily see how they would have contacted the son of John F. Kennedy uh, to to recruit him as part of that. So I'm sure that he joined before uh, the attempt on his life. And so basically the premise is that he's alive. You know, he's still alive.
0: My question is this, what did they get involved with the aliens for? Was it to keep peace so they didn't, uh, uh, you know, annihilate us with their, with their stuff? Or was it just maybe an exchange of, okay, you, you help us out. We're going to give you technology.
1: Well, if you're talking about the Serpo project, right. It it depends, you know, because that was one kind of human alien exchange idea that they would come live here and we would go live there. And, There's different levels of truth there, Um, whether the actual Serpo planet is a real planet and so on is, you know, or whether it was like a composite of a lot of of several different missions, if you want to call it that, and then turned into a release. Um, They were all just uh, there was no whistleblower for, you know, overt whistleblower. There was just the DIA releasing these written documents from someone they just called, I think, anonymous, if I remember correctly. And uh, it, they all came out through this guy who was more or less, um, I guess you might say, he he was a, if not an agent, he was a, an asset who had been brought in to, to do a job. And he had a background teaching English, I think it was, or something, and history. And and he was controlled. So it, you know, the releases were controlled and Bill Ryan got involved as being interested in that, um, as having built a website for a rogue, uh, what you call, um, Oh God, what is the name? <laughs> um, a, a rogue organization, uh, a breakout, a breakaway organization from Scientology called Ron's org. And, then he released he and someone else, I think it was released supposedly illegally. They built a huge website for documents. So Bill was very good at, at, he's very good with documents. He's very good with, um, he's a good writer and he, you know, he's very organized Mm -hmm. and in that way. So he volunteered to organize the Serpo documents that were coming out because it started to be volumes of you know, pages and pages and pages of releases. So it was all written material. So he was good at that. And so he did it. For, he volunteered to do it for, for Serpo. Then he became the, like the only human face on on the Serpo story. So he started speaking at conferences. I was reading the releases because we all um, got, I don't know how it is, but the journal some journalists got recruited, if you will, to join this news group, to be able to read those. And I was one of them, not huh. even sure how I ever got involved. I was just invited. You had to be invited. And so when I saw Bill coming forward and he was volunteering to do that. And so he was the only you know person you could talk to. I decided I, you know, he would be one of my interviews.
0: Mm-hmm. So I
1: contacted him and uh, arranged because he was also going to be speaking at this conference it happened every year. Um, the UFO Congress is what it was called in, not in Vegas, but in, um, the, the town near Vegas, um, whatever that place is called. So anyway, uh, I went there and and met him and and interviewed him and that's, and we kind of hit it off. He was being interviewed with, with people with, you know, lights and cameras and camera crews and all this kind of stuff. And I just came up with my little camcorder (laughs) And at first, he wasn't like he told me he agreed to the interview on email before he ever met me. At first, he almost said no, I think because I didn't look like I had anything going on. But I was a film student, so I knew what I was doing more or less. Plus, mm-hmm. you know, as I say, I studied journalism. So I interviewed him. Uh, it went really well. The interview did really well. And eventually uh, we traveled. I, I traveled, um, my, my mother passed away, had a small inheritance. I went w- to, with Jordan Maxwell and William Henry on a tour, a group tour of the pyramids and in search of the signs of Atlantis in Egypt was the sort of, I guess, story behind that tour. And during that tour, I actually interviewed Jordan Maxwell in an interview that he said I could never release because he actually talked about his dealings with aliens to me back then before he ever talked to anyone else. So before he came forward and then after that, um, because that was back in the early days when people who had, you know, ET experiences and, and stuff wouldn't uh, talk about it. Like even UFO researchers weren't talking about their own experiences. They were only reporting you know the craft
0: Uh everything was
1: about the craft nuts and bolts you know things in the sky that's it sightings you know that's where you get rich dolan writing you know um ufos in the national security state volume one back in those days um which was an impressive you know piece of work then now it's got three volumes i think maybe even four but i think three and um so and I was corresponding with him back in those days uh, and sending him information because I was doing a tremendous amount of research. I was like a maniac. And um, so you can hear my guys through the hallway fighting. I still am it, when it comes to research, you know, I I, I, I guess, you know, because being a journalist it, it, right. in the early days, uh, I guess I sort of started out with that. So. I have those those chops, if you want to call it that. See, I guess. You talk and, about
0: this. You talk about how far it goes back with presidents. It makes me wonder. And I don't know if you remember Argosy Magazine. Argosy Magazine. I
1: remember the title. I I, I don't I don't really remember so much about the magazine. That
0: Argosy but, Magazine ran a front page photo of aliens on an operating table. <laughs> and I remember this. I must have been all of about eight eight, eight or nine years old. And you never heard anything else about it.
1: Oh, really? I never knew if they were like real photos or fake photos because I mean, the way I mean, well, wait, it might have been the alien interview. I mean, you know. Yeah, with what you're saying,
0: I mean, this this makes more sense that that they would run those photos. You know what I mean? Because I never saw the magazine again. <laughs> you know, oh. the, I
1: I mean, you'd have to research and see whether it was a a publication must have gone on for, you know, a while. I don't know. I wasn't you know, I didn't. That's not where I got my information.
0: Right. I'm just I'm just wondering because I was You know, when you were telling me all this just now, it brought it brought that back to me. You know, seeing that in the magazine, you know, because there was talk about what was going on in Area 51 at the time and blah, 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 blah and all that. And then I I was impressed with this stuff, even when I was a kid. So, you know, to see that in the magazine, my my eyes were bulging, you know, like, oh, wow, there's dissected the bodies of the aliens are there.
1: Okay, well, cool. (laughs) I mean, yeah, I I don't know why I wanted to even do that. I know I was abducted when I was a kid, um, Uh so I knew I I knew a lot um, just based on that and maybe you know, I was visited by aliens. I didn't really remember all that well, most of the time, but like, there's a couple incidents that I do remember very clearly. I've talked Mm -hmm. about them before, but just briefly once an Andromedan came and talked to me, he sat in a chair next to my bed, even though there was no chair next to my bed, but that's how I saw it. And Mm -hmm. he was this little bald head man. He, you know, and I, right before I, I was coming, I was waking up into this reality, I said, wait, 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 where are you from? And he said, Andromeda. Wow. And then a few years later, I came across Alex Collier. He described a little old man, balding old man. And he sounded just like the one that sat next to my bed. So I don't have, you know, maybe it's just another Andromedan. Maybe it wasn't the same guy, or maybe sure. it was the sure. same guy. But I was very, um, you know, I knew right away that Defending Sacred Ground, which is one of Alex's, Alex book, Uh, that he released about the Andromedans, which if you haven't read it, it's, it was free. It's always free online. I think I had it on my website for a long time. It's probably still there. Um, highly recommended, great information. Alex is, is actually back on the circuit. He's been doing some various things. I've been putting some of his stuff that I come across, um, on my telegram. He he's very uh, he spoke at one of my conferences. So we have a, you know, a whole um, speech of presentation of his. That's you can watch on Camelot. Um, but that was one of my, you know, so one of my things was an Andromedan. Another time I had um, this. I saw a reptilian. I, well, I saw a Shakar. What's this, A shikar? It's a, it, a Draco of a, the flying they're called Draco royalty called shikars. And I saw, I, I was going into meditation. I was wide awake. I tapped into this interdimensional space. I saw this shikar flying by me. I was totally conscious of it. I was conscious that it was a conscious being. It, you know, wanted me to see it. And then I popped back into this reality. Um, At the time when I saw it, I didn't believe reptilians even existed. (laughs) let alone Draco, I'd heard of them, I'd read about them, but I'd never, you know, I didn't really know anything. And, um, so after that, I knew for sure they existed.
0: Interesting. See, I got, and I've i had other,
1: you know, right. I've had ET experiences, but I also seen lots of UFOs. I mean, I don't think seeing a UFO is a big deal at all. I,
0: I like, I like, I when I wrote you, I don't know if I wrote you about the incident. My friend and I had, um, late one night on the highway and as we're driving, it's like everything along the side of the highway become a smear. Highway looked like it did back when I was a little kid. The next thing we know, it's an hour later. We're in a town like 10 miles away parked. So we don't know if we got abducted or what the hell happened, but we know something happened, you know, and I've always right. had a fascination. Like you, I've always, I've, I was one of the, I had a very vivid imagination. always saw things in my room as a kid, you know, when I, And I would see um, UFOs like crazy growing up. So who knows, you know, but uh, that's where my fascination for all this comes from. And this program you're talking about, it it doesn't surprise me because the government has a lot of stuff going on that we don't know about, you know, but it is at the same time. It's terrifying because, you know, here they're doing this stuff under here and they're telling us one thing over here and then they're doing this stuff over here.
1: Well, I mean. There's some very good series that have been out. Um, I think it's called dark skies. Is -hmm. that the name of it? There's a a series that was running actually parallel with um, uh, X files back in those years in the early part of X files. I think it was, and it was called dark skies. You can rent it. You can buy it or on Amazon and it's, it's absolutely worth it because it's, it's, closer to the truth than even X-Files because X-Files, you know, X-Files tried to make more of a horror show in, into, it. I mean, it had some really good stuff in it, obviously, but mm-hmm. dark skies, actually, I think that's the name of it um, has, you know, really cool stuff and was like closer, a little more mundane, if you will, except that, the, <laughs> that humans were being taken over by these horrible creatures. So but it still makes sense today and then there's the V television series oh my you know? God, yeah. love v and and those are the as I recall I mean correct me if I'm wrong because my memory tells me there were two two renditions of v right right okay so there was an old one and but then the there was one, one, one which
0: more, was really terrifying more terrifying. more
1: modern them. one but there but v is actually really close to the truth <laughs> you know v is where you actually see the reptilians who right. shapeshift and we have humans like George Bush that, you know, do that and the queen and so on. So that's, that's real, but I mean, it's amazing to me that we live in a world in which they're still in denial about all this. (laughs) I mean, I've been doing this for 17 years. I don't think I would have thought that I would even get involved in something that took 17 years later and they're still lying about it. I mean, it's just insane.
0: Well, it is, you know, and, 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 it's obvious, you know. People keep catching stuff on film, you know. As far as the UFOs go, and all this is going. Look, the Navy caught stuff on film, for God's sakes, and they're still denying it. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just craziness. So with this project, I mean, how long are we? <laughs> who started? Who signed this up in the first place to get all, to, to get this ball rolling? Which president?
1: Well, I'm. I mean. I guess, you know, Eisenhower is the famous meeting with the aliens. He met with uh, several of them. There's, you know, there's a surface story that, that makes the rounds and, there, and there's a, a more secret one. Apparently, the real secret, secret information is that the first group of aliens we or our government dealt with is actually these octopus like beings that were in that. You know that um, there's a a movie that was made um, not that long ago, maybe, I don't know, five years ago or something like that. And it shows you these octopus like beings and they're behind. They come in a ship and they're behind a sort of a screen because they're in water kind of thing. Yeah. Well, apparently those were the first aliens they dealt with. That's um, I forget. There's a whistleblower out there that wrote a book and and says this in the book. And I think he's he's, you know real um so but after that the greys and the pleiadians came down uh, apparently and spoke to eisenhower tried to make deals um now we're not we don't hear whether the reptilians ever dealt with him directly either okay so there could be something else that we don't know right. but the bottom line is that the deal they made is with not with the pleiadians who wanted them to agree not to i guess. Um, not to progress in their nuclear plans or whatever and 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 somehow limit their technology or something. And they, our government and Eisenhower refused to do so. So they sided with the side that would give them technology in exchange for signing these agreements where they could abduct and experiment on humans. But it was supposed to be a limited number of humans. Little did they know that, of course, the Gray's you know, they eat us, they, you know, they, they, they feed on us and, and all these different ways. And this is where you get the adrenochrome and et cetera, et cetera. So they just broke the treaty, like, you know, a couple years later, Dan Beerish talks about this. Um, I think the Tau 9 is one of the treaties later on that they, you know, they have meetings. They actually, people don't realize this, but actually, according to, one of my top witnesses, which is Captain Mark Richards and Dan Burish years ago here on earth, they actually have meetings with groups of aliens, um, a United Nations kind of meeting and the United Nations that we know of is supposedly part of it, but it's a very secret part of the United Nations. Mm-hmm. And they go to places like, um, I think one of their common areas Is it's Peru, I think it is. And then Exeter in England, those are two of the sites where they meet. Um, and, and so periodically they have a sort of, you might call it, um, galactic, uh, you know, the, the, um, whatever they call that, uh, you know, the, the, um, what am I trying to say? The, um, anyway, it's just a kind of a, a galactic, meeting with these aliens and so on. And interestingly enough, one of the participants is, <laughs> I know this sounds insane, but it's, I and I don't understand how it works, but is Saturn. It's like a being that is the planet Saturn. So, and then that's like a really important, they can't have the meeting unless Saturn is there. I, now, I don't know if that's always the case or if that's just occasionally the case, but, that's one of the po- important members of these, um, you know, meetings. You know,
0: what strikes me too with this is that, like you say, the treaties were broken, obviously. I mean, they're <laughs> playing with fire. I mean, what, how, what, what there could be, they possibly be thinking to go into a treaty with, uh, with, with, with beings that have so much better technology than we do and they can annihilate us like, boom, you know what I mean? I mean, they're not going to play fair. It doesn't matter if you have a treaty.
1: Right. Well, it's, I mean, knowing they... Ha- okay, so the plan, according to our Secret Space program, what they say now is mm-hmm. that back in those days, what, what they figured out, and this is... I don't know if it's, it actually happened in this way. It certainly happened, but it, whether it happened in this chrono- chronology... I don't know, but it's, uh, they decided that they would wanted the technology of the ETs, whoever they were, regardless of the races. So the way they would get the technology was to make deals with them, hmm. go along with what they were asking, knowing that they had better technology in the interim. But once we got the technology, then we went into building our own of everything and, um, and then go, you, you should... Listen to the interview, if you haven't already, that with William Tompkins, where he goes into how the secret space program worked with the paperclip scientists, but also how how the beings from Aldebaran contacted Germany, decided to give them the technology during World War II, yeah, okay. told them not to use it to win the war. Um, Right. I guess knowing what I know now about history. Right. So I'd say, yeah, don't win that war, but you're going to win a a war later with it. (laughs) But the bottom line is that they, you know, they they were actually um, involved in our space program, sabotaging it from time to time. So they would slow us down. The Pleiadians were helping us a lot. And that's the main part of uh, Tompkins testimony. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are other races I'm sure that have helped us as well. So, so, so they did achieve this, however. So we now are at a different footing with most alien races per se.
0: Okay. This is how the story goes. That explains a lot about Germany during world war II and the fact when or even even during our space race, when we decided we wanted to go to uh, the moon, and, and all this was going on, and the Germans had the best scientists.
1: Yeah, you know, uh, yeah,
0: for all that stuff. I mean, if 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 they were working direct, you know, if they were working directly with those aliens ahead of us, just like they had the first jet.
1: Right. I'm um, yes. I mean, for some reason, uh, they chose Germany because it was. I think because their genetics were also closer to them because they are actually um, said to be a more or less fascist. Their organization, you know, of the beings from Aldebaran is, is, and they also, I think, well, at least how they display themselves is like your typical Nazi, um, you know, the ideal Nazi blonde, blue eyed, whatever kind of thing. Uh, Now, whether they really look like that or look more real, really look more reptilian uh, is not clear. There's reason to believe that they they're reptilian human hybrid type things or reptilian humanoid hybrids, not Mm -hmm. necessarily human. So um, and they, by the way, have made a deal with our government, (laughs) according to I think I can say this. It was on the front of. Veterans Today. I Gordon Duff is a really strange <laughs> cat. He he runs, he's the editor of of uh, Veterans Today. He's a CIA agent, which he hates me saying, but he is and it's the whole whole place is run by CIA. The whole that whole thing. And one of, you know, this is years ago, he actually just came out and said, you know, that, that we had made it our government had made a deal with a group from Aldebaran to give them parts of Africa and to settle in exchange for us being able to colonize a planet off, you know, out in the solar system that belonged to them. And the idea was the event, there's a movie, the TV series that's like, um, I don't know, a five-part of six-part series, it, it doesn't go on for tons of episodes, but it's called The Event. It, was on television, you know, years ago, you can watch it. It's on, it's either on Amazon or Netflix or both. You can also buy it highly recommend it again, because it, it, it details the kind of issues that we have in where, and the, the secret space program made a deal in which other governments of other countries around the world just had to, had to live with it. They have no choice. They have to be quiet about it and they have to live with it. So, um, so that's, you know, really interesting.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, this is all fascinating. I'm just looking at comments and everybody's commenting how fascinating all this is. It's just, it's incredible, you know, that this, that this has gone on. I don't want to sound like a, like, like you've been talking about TV series, American horror story last season just did this. Did what? The, the, the secret space program. Really? Yeah. In a they horror making the deal with making the deal with the aliens and whoever did oh, really? research. yeah and whoever did the research because they were doing it they were they were doing it to get the technology and it was for breeding purposes you know to do a hybrid yeah but when you were talking about the octopus people some of the babies that that came out because they were trying to like you know have a more human looking ch- baby obviously for the hybrid some of the babies that came out had tentacles.
1: Oh, all right. Well, they kind of mixed and matched the storyline, oh, yeah, I guess. Saying,
0: yeah, but I'm just saying it was something similar to what you're talking well, about.
1: Well, the gray human hybrid story is, is very well known, and they've been very successful at that. So the grays that we made deals with
0: right. continued,
1: and even to this day, do abduct people all the time. Uh-huh. And uh, they did concentrate, however, in South America. So eventually our government and this mm-hmm. information comes from a variety of places. Most people don't know this information that I'm saying. They know it maybe because I've said it, but they didn't know about it. Basically, I right. I get information in a very kind of weird way sometimes because I'm I'm a psychic intuitive, so sometimes I'll get it I'll get a download and it'll tell me where to look and then I'll find the information. So I I try to verify what I get intuitively and then it turns out correct or somehow it'll, it'll crop up somewhere. So the idea here was that they need a needed, um, they they were abducting people in the United States and that was getting very, um, sort of too much, you know, embarrassing, easy to spot type of too many stories coming out. So they, they actually sent them down to South America, central and Latin America and what, and they were willing to do it because what they really wanted was not like a mixture what's already a hybrid. We're already hybrids here in the North American area, mostly, but the Latin Latinos, and especially if they're close to the root race, which is the native Americans. So they, they are more like a root race and that's, it's kind of like the same premise of genetic engineering, a plant, they they look for the more the indigenous, uh, really strong, you know, roots that hasn't already been, you know, sparsed out in terms of genetics. Right. Mm-hmm. It's not already a hybrid. So you don't want one hybrid. With, you don't want to make a hybrid from another hybrid. Right, you want right. to make a hybrid from your race and the root race. And then you get. So that's where the gray human hybrid program really took off. And continue, continues to this day, and that's why you get a sky full of UFOs down in, and you know you've seen the videos, right? Oh, There's yeah. and I Tell I've gone know. to conferences and seen the real footage. Jaime Massan talks about it. There's other uh, you know famous ufologists that have have brought that information forward, and, and and the sky is just filled with UFOs. I mean, just just incredible amounts, which you don't see. They don't have the they apparently their deal with the U.S. is not to do that. Um, So also, consequently, people from Central America and South America will probably be a lot more open to the whole E.T. abduction scenario, take it very, you know, in stride and so on. Whereas in our country, you know, you see one UFO, you're making a big deal, which is kind of laughable. Well, my question with this is you
0: talked about higher reps, like the, like the Illuminati and stuff being involved with all this. Are any of them um, hybrids?
1: Oh, def- they're definitely hybrids. Um, in other words, they're reptilian-human hybrids, some of them. Uh, and like the Bush family, for example, having a high degree of reptilian DNA, which apparently I've heard that this is was the case and is the case, that bloodline. And that goes for, I believe, the queen and and certain other groups, Uh, possibly the Khazarians, because they're again, when you get the proclivity for child sacrifice, drinking blood, uh, you know, the whole adrenochrome highway thing, uh, torture because they like to torture their victims. That's all completely reptilian. That's that's where the humans get it. It's not humans that are actually doing that. They're humans with a large degree of, of reptilian DNA. And we have been invaded and obviously hybridized. Now, that goes back. I mean, I was just, you know, Ashiana Dean, the Voyager books, she's one of the best sources on this information, as well as everything that's happened on planet Earth um, in terms of the various races, the war of, you know, war of worlds that's gone on both on surface in inner earth and out, out in interdimensional and, uh, and so on. So in those stories, when you start reading all the different races, it's insane how many times humans have been genetic, re- genetically re-engineered. And by the way, this latest, I don't know, is it okay to say the C word or the CV word or whatever they try to censor? You know, when we I say, you know, the jabs, you know, that,
0: yeah, that's a
1: that's a genetic reengineering of the human, <laughs> of the human genome again, okay, wow. right in your faces, in which you volunteered for it, right. This is how insane it is, right. So, and some people would say that actually we do um, humans do volunteer to be abducted, to be hybridized, and uh, have their genetics changed on purpose. As you know, part of their experience of the universe, of the multiverse. So it's it's just kind of what you do, and different races again have different ET strains within them, and that's why we all look so different, you know. And how people you can see, like, you know, you can really go down the gamut. But you know, people that look more like dogs or people that look more like cats. Um, and, and so on. It kind of goes on like that. Um, so there are these original kind of prototype beings. And then out of that, you get the humanoids and the humans and so on. And it goes about 200. I think they said the entire megaverse goes back 550 billion years or something like that. I don't have the exact number. And then she said, but this seeding and this sort of part of the universe or whatever megaverse or whatever hologram, if you want to call it, that is, goes back 250 billion years. So humans have started that on Lyra, um, the humans. And there's, there's also, you know, the Pleiadians are humanoid. So we we're also Pleiadian. We have, we're a mixture again, of races, a lot of us, depending on which, you know, group you're related to. And those are the ones that contact you, by the way. So people that are having contact, lots of times your contact is from a related race, except in the case of abductions where, you know, where the gray ETs and sometimes the gray ETs are working for some of the races. So Mark Richards says that the grays go out to the, the, you know, the highest bidder. So they'll, they'll work for anyone. And you know, that's, they're just like worker bees basically. Um, now some are fairly intelligent, you know, but some are actually, they're just AI intelligent. So they're dumb in some ways, the way AI might be dumb, you know, and that's why, um, I don't know if you read the David Jacobs books.
0: Oh, yes.
1: David Jacobs is a really excellent author who talks about the gray human hybrid program in detail. And he talks about when, you know, after they get a baby from a human female and, a, and then put gray DNA into it, then the the being, the young being has to be trained to live among humans on earth. And so certain humans are elected to be their trainers, so to speak. And in some cases, they live with them, and he 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 deals, details all of that quite well. Um, and there have been incidents in which military members of the military have maybe rescued a young ET or whatever, a gray a, a hybrid, and and then had them live with them as their son or daughter kind of thing, even knowing that they were a hybrid, a gray hybrid, human hybrid. The trouble with the gray, in my view with the trouble with the gray human hybrids is that because the grays favored intellect over their the rest of their um the genome and and so they became almost like similar to robots but but they lost their body fat apparently they lost all their you know, th- their physicality, they didn't, they didn't value emotions. And so it shows up in their physicality and so on. That's how the story goes. But, um, and they tried to rectify that. In fact, Dan Burish was trying to help a certain group of gray, uh, you know, sort of ETs. Uh, the, you know, it, it's a little bit different strain, but nonetheless helped them to rectify the imbalance in their genome by getting Human, you know DNA, mm-hmm. and injecting it into them and changing them. So he was part of that program.
0: Hmm. This is all just so fascinating to me that this actually is going on. You know, and nobody realizes it. Makes you wonder, like uh, like Marisa in the chat room uh, mentioned. You know those missing four one one cases. You know people. Oh, you know, yeah. disappearing It's appearing in in the woods and stuff.
1: Absolutely. No doubt about it. Some of those, uh, you know, I mean, I was just talking on another interview that I just did. Actually, I talked about CERN because, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I have this like library in my head now. And I, certain things will stimulate me to bring, you know, a piece of information forward. So recently I was just remembering how um, Mark, Mark Richards had said that that CERN is actually one of their main tasks is to hold open a wormhole between CERN in, you know, um, between CERN and the Draco galaxy, so that the reptilians can, can drive their ships through because you need a special kind of wormhole, Stargate to, to allow for that. And so then they come in here and they go to places like any war-torn area like Syria, Iraq, and they pick up the humans under the fog of war and they take them off planet and they sell them, use them as slaves, etc. Huh. So this is a common, very common practice, apparently been going on forever. And, um, and so CERN is heavily involved in that. It's, uh, it's,
0: it's just incredible that, I mean, like you say, this goes back pretty far in our history. You know to have this stuff happening. What did they? Well, I mean, when you think about like the ancient Egyptians and stuff and all that, I mean we were really primitive back then. So I wonder how the negotiations went back then.
1: Well, actually, I lead tours of Egypt, um, and I haven't been able to go for the last two years. But almost every year I go go to Egypt. I was going to Egypt, and myself and Maria Wheatley, uh, she's a um, a druid who has studied a lot of those ancient arts. And so she has her areas of expertise. I have mine. And then we have a a local guide who knows us well and contributes the, you know, the song and dance that they have to tell you, which a lot of it is not true. Mm -hmm. So, but it's still interesting to hear. So what happens is, um, as I've been going, I've been learning more and more and I get downloads and I have a lot of Egyptian memories. I even have had Egyptians tell me that I'm Egyptian, (laughs) which is funny. Um, but I, uh, so now when I go to the temples and the various, uh, spots and, and start lecturing, the group, then the, these, they're called the sort of the guides or the watchers. They're not the police, but they're the guides of the watchers. And they, they just live in kind of every day. They like go to work in the temple. They're just there. They're watching, you know, they, I don't even know what they all do, but they're teaching. they all, they do teach like the locals and, and things like that, but they come and stand next to me when I'm talking and then they nod and give me their approval. Cause they like what I'm saying. I talk about the Anunnaki and the things that, you know, regular people don't talk about there in okay. Egypt. So one of the things I've also noticed is that I discovered that there seems to be a level of programming of repetition. You know, when you get a lot of repetition, it's it's akin to programming, just like advertisements we watch on TV or whatever it happens to be. So when, when you see that it, well, at least for me, it, my suspicion was raised and I saw that in the Valley of the Kings is that these cookie cutter, uh, beautiful, what they look like, they're like drawings on the side, you know, inside these tombs. But in reality, I think they're actually um, they're programmed stories that are not as accurate as they used to be. And I think they've actually changed them over time and they haven't told people. And they've uh, edited out certain things they don't want people to see and so on. So I became quite suspicious of what is being on display in Egypt and what is being hidden and starting to see between the the different, you know, being able to separate those out. So, um, yeah, but I mean, Egypt is a very fascinating it's evidence, uh, you know. It has links to Atlantis, of course, um, as does Antarctica, and so on.
0: It, yeah, it is interesting. And like you know, you go back and the, like like the gentleman that wrote *Chariots of the Gods*, for instance, and you see those you see those 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 it's inspir- <sighs> you know, those descriptions with the guy in the space Eric spacesuit.
1: von Daniken. Yeah, Eric
0: von Daniken. You know, you see the pictures of the of what, of something sitting there in what looks like a spacesuit it's fascinating
1: oh yeah they had the light bulbs they had all kinds of stuff absolutely i mean they had met all kinds of very sophisticated medicine and i mean you know if anything uh civilizations well they start and they blossom and they they have incredible knowledge library of alexandria indication where they took a lot of the knowledge underground they burned the library but they they took everything over to the Vatican. It's still there underground in the Vatican under the control of reptilians who run the Vatican. And people Absolutely. go and, you know, worship them and kiss the ground they walk on. And they're they're basically worshiping reptilians. <laughs> it's, it's uh, you know, it's insane. And I'll also say that I was told by a Hopi that their God was a reptilian. Really? Yeah. So they were reporting to reptilians as well. I mean, it's insane. You know, our our history is, um, it's not as pretty as you might like it to be. It's I mean, not all blonde, you know, humanoid aliens. So to you speak.
0: always hear, you know, but, but you know, when you talk to other like UFO people, you know, that have been abducted or people that are so-called experts in it, they always make the reptilians out to be just horrible, horrible, horrible to deal with as opposed to the greys.
1: So to hear that they do or they there, don't make them out to, I don't know what, what are you saying?
0: Well, some, you know, some of them feel that the reptilians are the, are the ones that you should be afraid of. Yes. Okay. You know, and you know, a lot of them will say, well, the greys are, are really nice to deal with and all this, but you tend to hear more about the greys than you do the reptilians.
1: Well, yeah, it depends what area you're talking about, but, and which group of people, but, um, it's, you know, a lot of times people that are abducted will deal with more than one group of aliens, and uh, sometimes you get rescued from one group by another. Okay, and Ashiana Dean—that's part of her history. Actually, she was um, being abducted by it was the Grays, and then she was rescued by the Guardian races. One, you know, but which one I don't know. Might have been the Pleiadians. I'm not sure. And I think something like that might have happened to me as well, because you graduate like you're dealing with certain levels. I know that, um, you know, I have had a lot of dealings with aliens in my life. That's why I know so much about them.
0: Mm-hmm. And I really
1: I I feel I know it's you know, I'm not trying to sound egotistical. I just feel like, you know, one of the things that made me do the job I do is that I was assigned to do it. I, you know, and that I get help all the time from various races they want. I'm like an ambassador, like a go-between between the aliens and the humans. And and so, you know, people have even said to us, you know, when we were doing Camelot, we did a television show. And one of the things they wanted us to do during it was, you know, a follow-up to the Jesse Ventura conspiracy theory.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: did one for the same organization, True TV, Um, the CIA came in and made our um, producer an offer. He couldn't, he wasn't supposed to refuse, which was that they would take over our show and we would go to series and so and so, but they would run it. And he said, no. (laughs) So then they, they basically fired him. They fired our director. They repackaged the project. They took it out, you know, then it was put on the shelf for two years or something. Then it finally aired Now we have a copy of it and it is on my website and it's called, um, shadow operations. And it's all about our witnesses, um, Camelot witnesses, uh, to do with Mars. And then they also added a few of their own, you know, the television network witnesses. Um, that's a whole saga in itself, but so what was I saying? So, um, yeah, I mean this, uh, what, the, what goes on with these different races. It's just that I, I know the very, so they said to us in the series, look surprised when you hear this information. <laughs> and uh, that, that was very difficult. And so there's one frame where I'm going like making a face and the face had nothing to do with being surprised, but they took the frame okay. and they put it into the series in a certain place So that we would look surprised, you know, because Mm -hmm. as it happened, I haven't been very surprised by anything, you Mm -hmm. know, and that's just because of my past, you know, that I believe is, is very sort of still, it's not always in my mind. It's just that I can easily go there.
0: I have two questions in the chat room. How many alien races are
1: there? A zillions how many stars are there wow. you know um there are you know i mean it, you know i say to people why limit the imagination of god because people like to say oh well humans are made in the image of god and there's only you know they're the only ones in touch with god but god is everything right right okay right. so hello you know so um Back in the day, if you want to know which ones are known like on Earth to be dealing with us in the early days, uh, Clifford Stone was asked that he was an alien human communicator, basically. So he used to go to crash retrievals and as an intuitive, try to, you know, communicate a little like what I guess I feel like I do. But I never did that as Uh far as I know. But um, he he said there was 57 back in those days. So that was 17, you know, that was what, well, it's not 17, maybe 14, 15 years ago, but it's just like how many are finding us, how many races are finding us. That's part of the reason why, by the way, you know, contactees abductees are totally surveilled by the secret space program because the, the ETs that do come here a lot of times don't want to deal with our government. They want to deal with just individuals. So they'll, you know, contact you, you know, and if, if they find, I think it's like, you know, it's your, it's your light signature. If they find one that they think they can communicate with, then they'll, you know, show up for that person. So, um, so that's how it's been throughout history. And, the governments know this. And so anyone that gets con- a lot of contact, it also, I think it, it, it changes your, uh, your frequency and your signature, so to speak, that you can be seen from space with certain mm-hmm. technology. And so then they, um, they watch that person very closely because they need to know, or they feel they need to know who's coming and going and who, how they're getting in. And that's where, you know, um, solar warden came alongs for them to guard the the various craft that come in and out and go you know leave and go from our galaxy so they they monitor all of that but they can't keep complete control because if you go interdimensional and then you pop into this dimension and you can you know a lot of craft will use uh storms to do oh. that and some won't even use craft if they're high enough um, vibration they can just you know sort of like teleport if you want to call it that is i don't think it's literally teleporting it's probably a, another version of that but mm-hmm. they can just show up in your living room standing there kind of thing they don't have to have a craft but that would be you know six dimensional and above at least i think is the ones that do that the other ones the 4D which is the grays and some of the, and the reptilians and some of the lower lower vibrational beings and some of those are are actually more in the negative path, so to speak, uh-huh. um, they use craft. So being so, you know, excited and about the craft that's, you know, you're really dealing in most cases, you're dealing a lot of times with beings that are, they're, they're, be, they're operating out of self-interest, first of all. Sure. Now what we've considered negative is someone who isn't our friend. Well, that doesn't, that's not quite a, an accurate way of look, uh, you know, of categorizing a whole race of beings <laughs> right. just because they're not, you know, it's kind of like if you had friends and somebody doesn't like you, then categorizing them as negative. Well, they're negative to you because of what you, you represent or, or, or something about you. Maybe you're alien DNA that they don't like because uh-huh. we have, you know, natural proclivity, you know, it's, it, it's, it's in us. We're very, I mean, as above, so below and we're related we come from the stars and we are not descended from apes that's a lie we are actually you know we come like i said from lyra initially we were breatharians uh, we uh we had you know a whole different kind of look about us we are more as you go into ascending you kind of move into this area again to we were taller thinner so and so um mm-hmm then the more we've caught into the earth density, I guess the race uh, sort of getting shorter and so so like that. But um, there are some races that are more related to at least the Yeti, uh, there, that kind of being. And then also um, there may be some more root races that but they still, I don't think they're, in other words, what you call, um, chimpanzees and gorillas and all those, they come, they're like a step down from us. Okay. Not the other way around if you understand. Okay.
0: Okay. Another question is what do you think of Scientology?
1: What do I, what? what,
0: what? What do you think of Scientology?
1: That's a mixed bag. Uh, I'm not a big fan of it. In fact, that was part of the reason Bill and I ended up splitting up our operations. Um, some real psychotic stuff in there. Uh, what can I say? But at the other hand, the you know, Ron Hubbard was, uh, he was Navy intelligence, first of all, and he was quite advanced intellectually. And he, he knew all about a lot of our history dealing with aliens. I don't know if he himself had direct dealings. Cause I don't know too much of their background history. I know mm-hmm. some, um, I know that, a lot of people in the CIA are Scientologists. They've been trained to be. I think it's okay to say who they are. I mean, Hal Pudoff. I think, uh, George. I, I think um, Green, uh, Christopher Green, and God, lots of these people are have trained themselves in very various techniques. Because uh, one of the things is he created a lot of um, sort of sci-tech not sci-tech in the natural sense but sci-tech using technical you know like this monitor thing whatever they call it they constantly monitor their physiological you know you hold on to these things these sort of like um, whatever they call them cans or whatever right. and then it reads your you know your whether you're sweating or your hype, your heart rate increases when you're asked a question all that kind of stuff so they they do that thing called monitoring and I mean, it turned into like, it's really diabolical. I mean, uh, because again, whenever you try to slice and dice humans and categorize them, and then a huge part of Scientology is basically manipulating you, but also training you to manipulate yourself, like mind control in essence. So it may be just as good as the person using it. You could possibly say that. It does come. It has a very strong. There's a. There's a, Actually, three main players back in the that those days. Okay, that are uh, innovators in this um, in the area of sci-tech and and the whole uh, sort of MK Ultra mind control and then taking it a step further than say the Nazis did. And that is, Elron uh, Hubbard, uh, Jack Parsons, and Aleister Crowley. So that those three guys who knew each other uh, kind of borrowed from each other as well, and uh, came from different directions. Um, Crowley and Parsons were more into the occult in ways that L. Ron Hubbard tried to bring quasi science. You know what we think of as science? Yeah, the way the pharmaceutical companies use science, you know, okay. to manipulate us and do what they do. Yeah. In other words, it's kind of a different approach, which is part of the reason I don't like it. I would say if you want to say it this way, you could say Scientology is left brain. okay, more left brain, whereas Parsons and Crowley are right, more right brain. okay. Okay. so they're more the spiritual, although people would say, you know, satanic, spiritual, that Mm -hmm. dichotomy. But nonetheless, so. But all three were innovators at a key time in the early, um, well, I guess it was around the 1950s, 1960s, at a time when um, we were also being visited by a lot of aliens and the secret space program was growing up. And so there's, it's kind of like a lot of things went into that mix, but those, a lot of people don't realize that those three guys were actually innovators. And so if you can get past part of the thing with Crowley is that, you know, because I did read books about him and one thing I I found is that he was actually a jokester in on many levels. So he would pretend to be much worse than he was a lot because he thought it was funny because he liked deceiving people and he liked making fun of how small minded they were. So he would, pretend to be this incredibly horrible individual, but he actually wrote some very enlightened work. So, you know, you'd have to study it to see what I'm talking about. But, um, you know, and I, this may upset some people out there, I realize. But you can study the, you know, printed word. Doesn't mean you're a Satanist. You right. have to study. The reason I studied is because I decided at a young age I was going to study the, <laughs> the enemy. I, I, I you know, I knew they were Satanists. I understood at a very young age, all about that. So I just decided I was going to figure out what the hell they were on about, what they were doing when they performed magic, you know, with a K at the end um, and so on. And so that's why, you know, that served me incredibly well when I got into Camelot, because a lot of ufologists, you know, they come from, they're like, I call them white lighters. Um, It's sort of a, and, and, light workers as opposed to light warriors so they're worker bees so they you know they they like to think of you know pie in the sky and everything was going to be wonderful and you know they're telling you all this stuff and they don't want to look at the negative they they look away from the negative they're not whatever they're they're not constructed to it's it's kind of sorry to say a little bit of the democrat republican split (laughs) the democrats just want to live in fairyland in a certain way but you have to look at both sides, and unfortunately, they end up. See, if you try to look away from the negative, you tend to attract it. Right. You know, it's it's kind of like that dichotomy. So this is these are the laws of the universe. Okay, I'm not. You know, this is my not my laws. This is just the way it's it's constructed. So reality, what we call reality, is an, a system of polarities, and so and so forth. But if you don't ever study. Uh, sort of the enemy and and these ways, uh, you know, reading these ways and understanding the occult and and from a deeper level and using your intuitive abilities and training yourself in these ways, you are never going to really get what's going on. Absolutely.
0: The other question is: Is there similarities with communication with the dead and communicating with aliens?
1: Um. I mean, I, I have communicated with uh, the dead as you're calling them, uh, you know, ghosts and, and all of that, uh, discarnate entities, whatever. Um, and you know, I have actually woken up from a sound sleep yelling my head off going, get out, get out to these beings. Cause I had so many beings in my room and I just didn't want them there, you know? And, and there's when you're when you're a, a, so you become like, we're an antenna, right? So okay. if you're really a sensitive antenna, they, they see you, they sense you and they will mess with you. They'll try to interact with you in whatever way they want. And that can kind of mess with your head. If you aren't, you know, lodged in reality, it can just, you know, screw with you. So, um, so it behooves you to learn as much as possible about these different things. Um, but, In answer to the question, in some ways, uh, you can say, I mean, look, communicating with humans is like that. You're just, you know, communicating, communicating with anything. You communicate with your dog the same way. You know, you communicate with, um, from the point of view of a magician, or I like to say a witch or a warlock, right, a good witch, then you can see that everything, it's, it's a sensate universe everything is alive everything is energy this table is in energy it's just slowed down energy okay it's still molecules it still has a, a kind of a residual or or remedial consciousness same with the wall same with everything so we humans have the ability to communicate with everything we're communicators we're creators as does god right
0: mm-hmm. so
1: and these various alien races have these same abilities to communicate. And so we communicate like via, we send a picture into somebody. I mean, I know that my dog reads my mind. She she looks, if I have an image in my mind, she'll, she'll know exactly what we're going to do that day or where I'm headed or, you know, sometimes she'll, I, I have to be careful not to like think of certain things because then she'll come over and want to go there and do it, right? Whereas oh. I'm just thinking about it. Right. But so, yeah, she reads my mind. I had lots of indications in the, that way. So it's like that, you know.
0: Okay, okay cool. Wow. This hour blew by. <laughs> I learned so much. You're so I could talk to you for hours. It's just so fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think so. It is fascinating. I mean, I enjoy it. I, you know, I, I, I enjoy if you ask good questions, you ask good questions, and you obviously have a lot of knowledge yourself. I can tell, so it's fun. It's fun talking to you. Uh, you know, maybe you want to come and do an interview on my show sometime because you're I doing a to. unusual radio show, right?
0: Yeah, I would love to. I would love to.
1: Okay, that,
0: we could set that up. I'd like to have yeah. you on again too. I mean, we all right we could go for hours on this stuff because I mean, I've done a lot of research, you know, into this stuff since I was a kid. So you know. It's just something that really interests me like the Mars program. You know, I, I know a little bit about that too, if we, if we, sure. if we get into, but I know a little bit about what was happening there. Yeah, too. no,
1: it's, you know, there's a ton of stuff to, to go over and discuss and bring forward. And mm-hmm. I think it's great to have discussions about it. So.
0: Absolutely. righty. Well, thank you so much. How can people find you?
1: Uh, go to project camelot That's my website. You can also go to projectcamelot.tv, takes you to the same place. And okay. so does projectcamelot.org. Okay. We have three URLs, all so go to the same place because we're banned in certain countries like Germany. So we decided to create some different URLs in hopes of getting past the censors. Um, everything that I do is on my website, especially since the last two years I got banned from everything, including YouTube. They deleted my entire channel. I think it was a year ago um, and now they've suddenly given it back. <laughs> they had to, because they were, they actually went to court and, and someone sued them and they've quietly been giving people back their channels. In my case, my channel was over. They didn't give back everything, but they give, I think I have around 900 videos on there now. Uh-huh. My real number of videos is, is higher than that. Uh, But the rest of the videos, especially the ones I made over the last two years, are either in the membership area of Camelot or they're also on Odyssey and also on Rumble. So I put a lot of videos out, especially recent ones I I use. Um, So now I'm posting them three places as well as my website. And my website is not the easiest thing to navigate, but you can certainly see the most recent stuff on the front page. And our front page is quite big, quite long, and I write articles all the time. So I don't just do shows; I also write articles because I was a journalist, right? Yeah, and uh, and I, you know, so I I still do interviews. I do about three shows a week on average. Uh, you know, either an interview or I'm being interviewed. So it depends what you know happens that week
0: absolutely yeah i'd be glad to be on your show i have no, I have no problem with that okay
1: that'd be fun because yeah, you, you know, have a I, book out, right sorry you also have a book out yes uh it's called rebel gene and actually well i could actually sh- i think it'd be easier do we have yeah. enough time that i just show you I my can, website can. really quick sure and I'll, okay. i can show them the book too uh <laughs> yeah so that's what i'm going to do i'm going to show it's you a picture right there. See, there uh, it is. Just, That Because a picture is worth a thousand. Oh, well, you've got it. Okay. I got you. I got you covered. Yeah. Okay. Fine. But (laughs) I'll, uh, yeah, that's my job, my um, book. I, it took me about three years to write because I tried to pack into it more or less uh, a lot of an overview of everything that I'd been, you know, all the people I'd interviewed for 17 years. So a lot of the knowledge is, is kind of compact into that to make it you might say a handbook, a kind of a handbook for negotiating uh, reality or realities. Um, so, yeah, it's fun.
0: Okay, cool. Cool, cool.
1: Well, I want
0: to thank you again for coming on. I really appreciate it. And I would love to set up another time to get you on to talk more because, I mean, there's so much more to cover. Okay, to sure.
1: Start. Okay. All right. Thank cool. you.
0: All right. You have a great evening,
1: okay? Okay. You too. Bye-bye. You.
0: Bye-bye. All right. That was great. Learned a lot. Learned a lot about those projects. I mean, there's the Mars thing that's going on that, that I don't want to talk about because if I get her back on, we, we can certainly talk about that, right? Anyway, um, I want to thank you guys for coming tonight. Got a little bit of a late start, but that's okay. Life goes on. My, my dog decided to have an argument. I don't know why she's yelling at Probably my cat's out there. But tomorrow, we're kind of shifting gears. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about a near-death experience. Rose Ringer. Uh, after her husband passed away, she I believe after her husband passed away, she was diagnosed with cancer. And she um, went to the doctor, started to, you know, look at chemo and, and, and different things. And she literally died on the operating table. Had an NDE. Well, I guess what happened during this NDE was that she was told that she was going to be brought back. And she was going to be completely cured. And that seems to be what happened when she came back. She was completely cured of everything. So she's going to tell us her story tomorrow and what, what she did with this, you know. Because, I mean, you just don't come back and cannot be thankful and, and, and want to help people and stuff. So she's going to be with us tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Okay? Same time, like, we're always on. I want to thank everybody for coming. I want to thank everybody that was in the chat room tonight asking questions, you know, observing and stuff. Maybe I'll get on this gal's show. It would be kind of fun to get on her show, you know, because... uh I know a lot about this stuff. I met a guy years ago in Plasterville uh, that I was actually had on my show, had on the Blog Talk Show, who who spoke of this stuff, and he taught, and I thought it was hilarious at the time, you know, because I, I was I was a non-believer back then, because he told me that there were like real Star Wars going on up above us with all these alien races, and I just kind of went, yeah, okay, whatever, dude. But you know, the more that has come out over the last, past few years, the more I become a believer. So uh, yeah, we can take it from what it's worth. Anyway, if you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. We're equal opportunity here. If you're watching from YouTube, please click on the little ghost guy with the Sherlock Holmes hat on, the magnifying glass, because that'll make you a subscriber. We've got more than 200 videos out there to, of different shows, and we're, we're going to bring even more shows. You know, we, we just keep pumping. All right. Uh, Cal- radio website is you see the ticker tape thing at the bottom of the page? Well, that's because uh, technically California Haunts is a nonprofit, and so everything you see here—mics, uh, cameras, action—all comes out of my pocket. So if something breaks, like I just ordered headphones, headphone wires. That all comes out out of you know out of my money. So uh, I need help. I need help keeping this thing on the air because I love bringing it to you as a journalist, photojournalist. I love doing this stuff. So if you could uh, donate a little bit at PayPal.me at California Haunts, that would be great. Or if you're uncomfortable with PayPal, we have a Venmo, and that's just type you know go to Venmo and then type in California Haunts. But that would be great. I would really appreciate it. And in the meantime, I will see you tomorrow, and I'm going to go ahead and run her website for you so you can find it because I know a lot of you guys are going to. First thing you're going to do is hit her website. So let's do that first, and then I will see you tomorrow. So there you go. Project Camelot portal.com is the website. That's me making it. It's not a ghosty. And of course the book is rebel gene. And that is by Carrie Lynn Cassidy. And you can get the book at amazon.com. And again, we'll see you tomorrow at 6.30. Bye.